It's time for JT the Brick. Did I miss anything? If these guys on this team aren't as pissed off as I am by the coverage of the national media, the amount of disrespect I see this team getting, these guys should be angry and pissed off at the way they're being treated and looked at. Most people don't think that the Raiders are going to compete and do anything. They all think we suck. Always negative on the Raiders nationally. As the pundits are saying, we're a four-win team, we're a five-win team, but I am specifically calling out some of the loud voices in the Raider Nation. JT the Brick. It's Raider bias. It's the whole reason I'm on the radio is to just try to control the narrative a little bit better. Now I got your attention. On good days, we need to be great. Put that in a promo in three, two, and one. On good days, we need to be great around here. Do we all agree? And now, the Pipe Piper of Raider Nation Radio. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I'm in the Raiders headquarters after hosting Raiders press conference live with Eric Allen. And it is the aftermath of the loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers last night on Sunday Night Football at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, we have full reaction today. Uh, first hour is the best hour. We have two guests in the second hour, Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus, and then we have Mark Anderson from the AP. So this first hour is wide open. I'd like to hear from you if you went to the game. Watched on TV, traveled to the game, whatever you want to do, this is what we do. When we win, we talk about it. We, the season ticket holders, the upside of that. A loss like this is a big one. This was just a bad performance again by the Raiders. Uh, 18 points in the home opener and a loss to Kenny Pickett is completely unacceptable. And there's a controversy decision on kicking a field goal instead of going for a touchdown late in the game. That always gets sports talk radio going. And uh, people just in general who aren't happy about the product on the field, that's what we do. It's the aftermath. We do that after every loss. And then we have to get ready for the Charger game coming up. And we pivot to that probably midweek, middle of the show from Tuesday into Wednesday in a game where Mike Williams, we found out, is gone for the year. But the bigger news today is Jimmy Garoppolo is in concussion protocol. And as I've told you, because of Tua, because of Tua, oh, by the way, Tua, who put up 70 points, 70 on Denver, because of Tua getting concussed multiple times early in his career, a lot of times they go, they're going to bench these quarterbacks for a week. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Jimmy G. Jimmy G could get through this protocol. I hope he does. And if not, they're going to have to decide on Aiden O'Connell if they're going to go down that road or what they're going to do with Brian Hoyer, which isn't a pretty good option when you're going up against Justin Herbert. So that's where we're at this week, and this is where the sledding gets tough. When the schedule came out, I was looking for 2-2 two and two after four games, but I thought the wins were going to be Denver and Pittsburgh. Charger game's going to be tough because they just put up a lot of points, and they have an explosive offense, but the Chargers typically always have an injury, and I don't want to see injuries. I want to see all teams at full strength, and the injury now is to Mike Williams, even though Keenan Allen's coming off a game with 18 receptions. Devontae had a massive game for the Raiders at home in a loss, Devontae was not happy in the locker room for obvious reasons after the game. So that's where we're at, the number 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200 if you want to get through on Twitter at JT the Brick, on Instagram, JT the Brick Hits. However you want to do that, I'll do a couple of YouTube shows. And tonight I have Mad Dog Sports Radio from 4 to 7 p.m. So Mondays are my long days as I'm cool with that. It's football season. It's great to have these platforms to talk with you. As I'm watching Travis Kelsey walk out of the game last night holding Taylor Swift's hands. Uh, I'm watching that on TMZ Live. Wow. Doesn't get much worse than that. 
Even for the Swifties, they got to be concerned about that. Now she's a Chiefs fan. Great, just what we needed. All right, before I get to the sound bites, the highlights of the game, some of them were low lights, I want to give you my opinion on a couple of things that would happen. We'll just get this out of the way. I'm a season ticket holder for the team. Uh, yesterday was completely unacceptable how many Steeler fans got in there. It was, it was a bigger number than I even thought, and I knew it would be a big number. Not making excuses for anybody. I've never made an excuse for anybody. It's not Oakland. It's not Oakland. It's Las Vegas. And people are buying tickets to come to Vegas. And I was talking to one of my ticket buddies in the building today. If you look at the last four home games, because the next home game is coming up on Monday night against Green Bay, Green Bay might travel as good as anybody else. The last three games had the best traveling teams in all of the NFL. Kansas City, the 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and coming up is Green Bay on Monday night football. So we know why fans are selling tickets. They're doubling, tripling their prices, and they're paying for their PSLs and their season tickets in one or two games. We get that. But yesterday was a little bit over the top because it was bigger than I thought. It's embarrassing to the Raider fans who are in there, but there's nothing to do about it. There's literally nothing to do about it. There's, I, there's nothing I can say other than don't sell your tickets to opposing fans, and people aren't going to listen to me because it's their money, it's their decision, and I'm not your mom and dad. You're going to do what you're going to do. But as I was in there yesterday, that's something I wanted to open up the show with. That was a loud, boisterous fan base of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as I hosted the postgame in the Modelo Cantina Club, there was an army of Steeler fans parked in front of me. Wasn't happy about that. An army of Steeler fans parked in front of me for about a good half hour of the game, and I was not happy about that. Secondly, the decision to go for the field goal I don't agree with. I didn't agree with it at the time. I didn't agree with it on the postgame show. I understand why Josh McDaniels did it. It's easy to understand, and that's probably pretty much what the show's going to be about today. He decided to go for the field goal late in that game because he wanted to win the game by getting the ball back again, and he put his trust into the defense of getting a stop because at the time when he kicked the field goal, he had three timeouts and the two-minute warning. Plenty of time to stop the clock and get off the field. The problem is this isn't the Niners' defense. This isn't the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. I don't know how anybody could have confidence in getting the ball back when you watch this team play defense at this stage. Eventually, they might be better and get to a point where they're stopping people and they can get off the field and you can go down that road. But I thought what they should have done at that time was take shots at the end zone. And what I mean by taking shots at the end zone, I mean throwing the ball in the end zone in the red zone. Uh, This is what I would say about any team, no matter the Raiders or not. When you have an opportunity on first down, with the game on the line, with little to no time left, with your timeouts or not, just throw the ball in the end zone. How many times have you heard me say that? I don't care if it's Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes does it, whoever it is. The Raiders aren't good enough to throw the ball short of the end zone with time running off the clock and down eight points to go win the game. They can't. they got to get the ball in the end zone. They threw a ball at the line of scrimmage to Devontae, and Jimmy threw a ball out of bounds to Jacoby Myers. Made an unbelievable catch, but he threw it out of bounds. It's an uncatchable ball. I would rather see a 50-50 ball there with the game ending in an interception to Jacoby Myers instead of throwing the ball out of bounds where he can't catch it. That was very frustrating to me. As I was live sitting there right in front of that play, I couldn't believe it. So for Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not playing well. And I think Jimmy has played well in his career, and he's a good quarterback. He's not elite. He's a very good quarterback in this league. If you look at the interceptions 
Uh, two out of three of them, he threw three. One was on the last play of the game. When they threw the ball away, Jimmy just had to do something and push it downfield. That was one of those throw away, the game's over. So look at the other two. Those are bad interceptions. Bad reads from him. The second one where he threw across his body deep and picked off in double coverage. Unacceptable. Terrible throw. You just throw it out of bounds there. And then Marcus Peters dropped a pick six that could have changed the game. Look at the score. Marcus Peters with a pick six. That was a 10-point swing. They get a field goal. Raiders get nothing. If you look at what the Raiders could have gotten on that play, a touchdown, an easy touchdown from Marcus Peters. He just dropped the ball. And normally he doesn't drop the ball. He dropped it there. That happens. It's a game of athletics. He dropped the ball. Most of the time he catches that ball. So with everything that I opened up, the crowd size of the opponent, we checked that off. Uh, The turnovers, where the Raiders turned it over three times, they don't get any turnovers. They don't get any turnovers, which is incredible to me. It's hard not to get turnovers when you're playing Kenny Pickett. And then the last thing is Kenny Pickett played better than Jimmy Garoppolo, which can't happen. So everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game on top of it being a Sunday night home opener. So this is all unacceptable on every level. You can't can't play poorly and win a game. You can't get dominated in the stats, which are turnovers. Three for the Raiders, none for Pittsburgh. And and you can't win a game that way. So it's a really, this loss really pisses me off. This one, because there's no need for them to lose to Pittsburgh at home. Raiders lost on Christmas Eve back in Pittsburgh in a freezing cold game the day after Franco Harris died. It was their home game. And Kenny Pickett came from behind and won that game. And that was troublesome. But this is the game that really frustrates me because they have to win this game. If you look at the schedule here, so there's not a lot of glasses half full today. I'm aware of that because we're coming off a loss. The only thing I'll say going forward is the next four games that the Raiders have are all winnable. Maybe the toughest one is this Charger game, depending on what's happening with Jimmy Garoppolo clearing protocol or not. We don't know. Again, I think in this league now, if you have a quarterback who's concussed, they are going to make sure he's capable of playing or they're not going to play him. It's not going to be like one of those things, hey, he got dinged up and let him go through protocol and then wink, wink, we'll let him play no matter what. No, it's not the league anymore. The league will not allow that anymore. The league turned their back on concussions for 40 years. For 40 years, they turned their back on concussions, and everybody could play. But not the case anymore. There's too much risk for the league if there's another high-profile quarterback who's concussed. So let's hope he gets through it. If I'm sitting here on Wednesday and Thursday, and he hasn't cleared protocol, we're going to have some problems here. We're going to have to decide on what to do with Aiden O'Connell instead of Hoyer or start Hoyer or do whatever that, and that's going to be a couple of big radio shows. So we'll hit on that. So whatever you want to start with, you want to talk about the field goal, That seems to be the low-hanging fruit. I thought Josh McDaniels handled it well. He believed in his decision, but he was open to the debate earlier today. Let's hear it from Josh McDaniels about an hour and a half ago when he was addressing the situation on taking the three points instead of going for the touchdown. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I thought we, um, you know, you have two choices there. You know, you try to make it a five-point game where you have an opportunity to win it with a touchdown if you get the ball back, you know, or... You try to, you know, uh, go for it there, and then if you ho- if you if you happen to convert, then you got to make the two point conversion, all the rest of it. So, you know, just as are the decisions you got to make. You know, I thought we did a decent job of putting ourselves in third down there, the next series with the defense to try to have a play to get off the field, and we just wouldn't handle that play very well. 
No, they didn't handle that play well. It was pitch and catch on that third down. So let's stop the show for a second and talk about what the philosophy was at that time. You know, you saw the stat that's going pretty viral today about the fact that this is the first time a coach ever attempted that since a two-point conversion down eight with three minutes or less. So that proves to me that I think he was probably wrong, most likely wrong, by kicking the points because he's the first guy ever to do it. If this was a 50-60-40 thing, 52% of the time this or that, but the fact that this was the first time shows me that at this point you go for the touchdown. I don't think, and again, the coach isn't going to say it, I don't think they had any confidence that they could have got that touchdown on that play. The play before was critical because he threw it out of bounds, uncatchable ball, and coming back that next play on fourth down, if they don't get the points, three points, or if it's an incomplete pass, the game's over. I think coach wanted an opportunity to have points and win the game. That's all. That's what the debate is today. He wanted points, three, which cut it to five, and then he gets the ball back, and he wins the game. Doesn't go to overtime and all that. I think like most people, I would have went for the eight. I would have went to the end zone. You got to catch that ball. You got to get a touchdown, and then you got to get a two-point conversion. Let's not forget that. You got to get the two-point conversion, too. So I can't get in the mind of the coach there. He does this for a living. He's been in a lot of critical down and distance moves in his career, mostly coming out on the winning side of it. I know Raider fans don't want to hear that. Mostly they made good decisions. That was with Tom Brady, and they've won a lot of games that way, where they decided to go for it or took the points or not in that scenario with the points because it's never happened before with the two-point conversion. But they've been in games where they've put up points and their defense was able to get stops. I don't have any confidence in this defense. I don't have any confidence in this defense. Not to say that they can't play well and have good games. I think the world of Max Crosby. I mentioned Marcus Peters dropped the pick six, which happened. You know, I think that you're going to see a young Jacorian Bennett. Eric Allen spent a, and I spent a lot of time on his career starting off. He's playing a lot. They're not going to put him to the bench. And he's played all these snaps. I think over 96% of the snaps Jacorian Bennett has played. But I don't have confidence with the defensive pass rush other than Max. I don't have any confidence in the linebackers making great plays. I mean, great defining plays at the right time. And the secondary doesn't intercept the ball. So I don't expect them to make big plays. But I do expect them to get off the field. If they can get off the field, look, if Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett with the game on the line, they threw it on third down and got it. But overall, they're running the ball into a pile on first and second down. Let's not give him a juice box and a medal for stopping the ball with the game on the line, handing it off up the middle. They're supposed to do that, but on a critical third down where they needed to get off the field, they weren't even close to defending it. Weren't even close to defending it at all. Getting a hand to tip ball or anything like that, so the game ended that way. So I think Raider Nation, one more from Josh McDaniels. Here he is talking more about this situation on the conditions at the time, decision to kick the field goal, and what he thought of his offense. No, no. You're going to need another possession anyway. You know what I mean? So it is, it's, uh, it's not a lack of confidence. You know, he went for it multiple times. Yeah, he did go for it multiple times. They have this year on fourth down. But at that time, I don't think the, the Steelers' defense, let me tell you the difference between watching a game on TV and being there live. Because TVs are great nowadays. I mean, television, smart TVs, instant replay, you can see everything. But this was different to me. I don't think a lot of fans who weren't at the game could believe how much duress Jimmy was under the whole game. I mean, the pressures were alarming on the drop backs. I think 18 pressures 
and the four sacks and what we saw. That there were just the interceptions and the sacks. But the pressures were the key. There were times that he was a magician getting out of harm's way. I thought he was 100% sacked two or three times because I'm looking at it and I'm seeing the guys come off the edge and Jimmy try to step up in the pocket and he barely got the ball away for incompletions and completions when he was drilled into the ground. And I'll be interested to see where he was potentially concussed or why he was in protocol because he was harassed the entire game. He was harassed the entire game, so I don't think the offensive line played a great game. And the offensive line isn't doing a good job trying to find a way to run control and pound it and do all that. So let me just open up the show, and it's brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. I want to thank everybody from the Raiders and everybody I work with with PT's and Golden Entertainment. I had a great night on Friday night. I emceed the ALS Nevada Gala at the Stratosphere Pool. And that the Strat's owned by Golden Entertainment. And they had me on stage all night, and it was a fun night. We raised a lot of money, a lot of money for a great cause. I learned more and more about ALS, as you know, Lou Gehrig's disease. And there were a couple individuals there, patients who were in wheelchairs, had an opportunity to talk to them. And then to get on stage, the silent auction, then the live auction, and all the money that was raised. I don't get that opportunity if PTs isn't a proud partner of the show, and they asked me to do that. So that was the highlight of my weekend. Actually, it was. I mean, I love my job. I love being at the Raider game pre and post. Uh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But that, that was important to me, to be a part of that and see another side of football and to see people that need help and to talk to them and raise money. So, again, thanks to Golden Entertainment for having me out and everybody who attended there and were very valuable with their money and donated a lot of money as we opened up the show. But after that, I just want to say, I'm really upset with that loss. I think the Raiders in their next four games, the Charger game's a road game. Okay, road game, and there's going to be a lot of L.A. Raider fans there. Thank God. Thank God. After that, with the Patriots, the Jets, the Bears, this is the moment. So if the Raiders want to be, which I'd I'd love the Raiders to be a 500 team halfway through the season. I'd love it. I wasn't one of these guys going 5-2. Raiders were going to be 6-3. That wasn't me. I just like this team to hover around 500 and then possibly get some breaks. It's go time now. So with the season, with the schedule, the win against Denver was nice. They got blown out against the Bills. A lot of people expected that. They should have beat Kenny Pickett at home. They did not. It puts a lot of pressure on the Raiders for the Charger game. But no matter what happens with the Charger game, the Raiders then have an opportunity to win the games, their best opportunity to win. Now, you might not think they're going to win in a lot of games, and I'm okay with that. But I choose to believe that they can get on a run and play better football. I'm not throwing in any towel. So if they're going to win and have a point where the season is salvageable from a win-loss perspective, it's coming up against teams like the Steelers who they should compete against and win. I thought they should have competed against. They did, but beat the Steelers. I think they can do that against the Packers. I know they can do that against Chicago. I know they can do that against the Jets. The Giants are a train wreck mess. There's a lot of potential wins there. But if they don't turn the ball over, they might not win any of those games. they got to turn it over. they got to play better. And Jimmy G, the quarterback,'s got to play better. That's the monologue as we get out to Chris in West Oakland starts us off on a Monday. Hi, JT. Yeah, we're, we're right along the same same. Uh thought process on, on the on the field goal at the end. I just thought that, look, okay, even if you don't get it there, 
you still got them pinned back to the six yard line with three timeouts and and the the two minute uh, the two minute warning to have Devontae Adams and not once throw a ball into the end zone. Here's your 50-50 ball. Devontae's as good as anybody, probably the best wide receiver in football, and going up you know, in a wrestling match and taking the ball away. I'd have given him at least two shots in the end zone there at the end. And then to kick the field goal, look, I, I know the whole thing that's gone viral about the, the first team that's ever done it, and you hit on it. It's not the Niners' defense. This isn't the Ravens' defense of 2000. I don't know how anybody could watch this Raider defense and be confident that they're going to go out and get the ball back for you or get a turnover there. I just didn't. It, it was a calculated risk that I did not agree with, and I think we all have the right to disagree. I'm not sitting here calling for, for McDaniel's job or anything like that, but I think it was a big time screw up, and you know it's time you know time to move on from that. We'll talk about the game coming up next week, but I mean. Let's remember something, JT, this defense last year. We've got a lot of winnable games on the schedule coming up, theoretically. But look, let's look at last year. Kenny Pickett, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. How many quarterbacks' shining moment comes against the Raiders because they never make these guys pay? These guys are all turnover machines. Even Josh Allen's been a turnover machine. The Raiders never, ever come close. And when it, you talk about scheme and they can get better, look, Marcus Peters has 32 career interceptions. The rest of the secondary combined has five. We've got two starting safeties that combined haven't intercepted a pass since week 12 of 2021. So when Coach McDaniels and Ziegler say in the offseason, we want guys that find the football, well, you continually put guys on the field that don't find the football, and then you scratch your head why it doesn't happen. So, again, going forward, I don't know what this team does. You call it, I don't know that it's a winnable game next week, JT, because if the Raiders couldn't pick off Kenny Pickett and made him look like a good quarterback, what's Justin Herbert going to do to him? Because guess what? The Chargers aren't the Broncos. They're not the Steelers. They're not going to try to establish the run. Justin Herbert's going to throw the ball 50 times if he has to, and when that happens, it makes me wonder what's going to happen. So season's not quite at a crossroads yet. I think the Raiders could very well lose to the Chargers, but still salvage this season coming up. They've got winnable games, like you said. You've got quarterbacks like Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whoever's going to be the quarterback from the Jets. We already lost the game against the substandard quarterback last night, but we should have won. We're going to have to find a way to get even, steal one that maybe we shouldn't. I don't know how we do that. That's above my pay grade. But if these safeties in this defense can't get it done, maybe it's time to start looking at Palomalo, some of the younger kids, see if they can't get it done. Because let's be on the offense. I Listen, Jimmy G's not used to playing from behind. He's been protected by the Niners a lot. I think he's got the confidence. I think Jimmy G and Coach McDaniels are going to have to embrace the shootout. Give this guy a shot early to go out, put some points up on the board, because this defense is not going to allow you to grind out 17-16 victories like you did in Denver. So I've still got faith in these guys. I'd like to see a little bit of a philosophy shift, take some more shots and get some more explosive plays, and we'll see how it turns out. But I tell you what, I don't know what happens Sunday, but the season's starting to teeter if they lose. I think they can get it right, but I don't want to see this locker room go south and the fan base start to turn on anybody. So mm-hmm. it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Thank you for letting me rant, my brother. I'll talk yeah, to you everybody can come in and rant. Everybody can be here and talk about whatever they want. You know my format here on the show. And I think that, for me, the most frustrating part of this game was the field goal because I didn't think it was necessary there, but I understand why he did it, and I don't agree with it. 
So for those who are saying and taking shots at radio, radio host and all that, there's nothing more I can just say. I, I told you I don't agree with the decision. You can spin it any way you want. I don't kick a field goal there. I take four shots at the end zone. On the first play, if you look at this drive, it was a long, long drive. And that was troublesome to me because it took up over two minutes in that drive. But the Raiders had, when it was nullified and the penalty was on Pittsburgh, the leverage. It was a fourth and five at the Pittsburgh 29. Carlson made a 48-yard field goal, nullified by a penalty. The Raiders got first and 10 at the Pittsburgh 14. Jimmy was in the shotgun. There was good coverage. And he hit Josh Jacobs short over the middle. He gained six yards to the Pittsburgh 8. So right there, I disagree with that. I don't even think of Josh Jacobs on that play. I could care less where he is unless he's in the end zone. Now, at the 14, could Josh get to the end zone? Only if he's in the end zone. He wasn't going to break a tackle. They weren't going to burn a timeout. They weren't going to use the timeout. They're saving him, hopefully, to play defense. So they checked down. That is a classic check down. Now, normally you check down because someone's not open. And if you look at the tape, like I did with Eric Allen, Pittsburgh had good coverage. It's a double team with the safety over the top on Devontae. But they pick up six yards. And that took it from 310 to 235. Holy crap. It started at three minutes and 10 seconds to go. And then it's 235 left. And then the short pass to Devontae, to me, was the worst possible call in the building. There's no way that Devontae should be targeted short of the end zone, that close to the end zone. We're at the Pittsburgh 8. There shouldn't be anything thrown, anything, including a slant, where Devontae's very good at where he could get tackled. Anything. Now, anything in the end zone, as Chris said, is going to be a 50-50 ball, and anything could happen. But here's where I'm different. This is what I think about. I don't think of the incompletion. I don't think of the touchdown. I think of the flag. They owed us flags. We're, we're at home. We're at home, even though it didn't feel like it was at home. On that play, you go to Devontae, or if there's a heavy double team on him, that's Renfro. That's Renfro. You have him on the roster for that. He runs the most unbelievable eight-yard route I've ever seen two years ago. The best, a head fake. Put your foot in the ground, go the other way. They're not double teaming Hunter. They're not. That's the play you go to Jacoby or Hunter, but it's got to be in the end zone. It's got to be in the end zone because if there's a flag, they're going to put it on the one. And if they catch it and run a good route, you get a touchdown and it stops the clock. That short pass to Devontae Adams startled me at that time. Startled me. I could not believe that play. And then he threw the ball out of bounds to Jacoby Myers, threw it out of bounds, uncatchable. Why did he throw it out of bounds five yards? Because he didn't want to end the game on an interception. Didn't want the game to end on an interception. So what's the difference? The problem I had with Derek when he was a quarterback here. Throwing it out of bounds, down eight? You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. You throw the ball out of bounds if you're down five, four, three, two, whatever it is. You don't throw the ball out of bounds. The game is almost over. You've got to give your receiver an opportunity to make a play. And if you say to me, well, if he made a play there, it could have been picked off. Who cares? Game's over anyway. You gave him a chance. Ball thrown out of bounds. That's Jimmy G. Jimmy G's better than that. Jimmy G is a hell of a red zone quarterback. His win-loss record proves that. He's made a lot of throws like that. But he was under duress. The pass rush was insane. And then, you know, fourth and four at the Pittsburgh 8, 
Carlson kicks the field goal. What do you do on fourth and four at the Pittsburgh gate? You, you don't use a timeout. There's 222 left. You got the two minute warning and three timeouts, which is good. Let's give the team credit for having those timeouts. They're in a good spot. So, what do you do there? That's the game. Right there, that's the game. You're an offensive coach, and you got the best offensive player in football, one of them in, in Devontae Adams. Go down with him. Go down with him and throw him a high point ball that he can only get and go up and get. But you better make sure it's a catchable ball. Better make sure you don't throw it out of bounds because you just threw a ball out of bounds. You just threw the ball out of bounds to Jacoby. So on fourth down, you can't throw the ball out of bounds. you got to throw the ball in play. And they kicked a field goal. And then they had their timeouts and the two-minute warning, and they couldn't get off the field. 702-365-9200. Kenan Henderson. Ken's up next. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? Hey, great job on the postgame last night. It's, it's very therapeutic for, for the fans, and I appreciate what you do. Uh, and, you know, I get that Josh McDaniels is the coach in the National Football League, right? And I'm Raider Kenan Henderson. But what is he talking about? We're going to need another – in the clip you just played, uh, the last clip of McDaniels, what is he talking about? We're going to need another possession anyway. We need eight – you get eight points, you tie the ball, you tie the game. I was confused on what he's – I think he wanted to kick the field goal to win the game and get the stop. He would have got the stop. The Raiders get the ball back around midfield, and he goes to win the game. Now, remember, you don't tie the game. You're down five. You don't need a field goal. you got to score a touchdown. And that's what really bothers me the most about the decision. I understand why he did it. And he, he owned it today. He was there again. And, look, he, the only thing he didn't say today is if I could have done it over again – I wouldn't have kicked the field goal. He did right. not say that. I didn't expect him to. I respect his play calling and what he does, but they still needed the touchdown yeah. to win the game, and they would have had no timeouts to get that touchdown, none, and they would have had to go half the length of the field to do it again. So I, I agree with you. I think when you're on the eight-yard line, you have a better chance than potentially giving up a first down in the game ending that way. And any time you want to trust the Raider defense with the game on the line, I mean, I mean every Raider fan has got to be just like, come on, man, like, you have how could you not trust your offense with all the weapons we have? And you know what? You mentioned it in the post game when you said the Raiders have Mahomes and Herbert in their division who they play twice and they, they can't lose to Kenny Pickett at home no, can't. on the home opener. That was a great point. It's unacceptable to 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 score seven points going into half against a team who's coming off a short week in your own building. It's just unacceptable and you know what, I'm, I'm upset, but I'm more confused on mm-hmm. how bad the offense looks. Like, with Devontae, Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. Myers, with all these weapons, Josh Jacobs, right. I get the running game is struggling, mm-hmm. and that's going to affect the passing game. But, I mean, with all these weapons, I just don't understand. I was just well, shocked. I'm yeah, shocked. I understand. Thanks for the call. I understand. They're not in a rhythm. They can't get the running game going. That's a big part of it. With the balanced running game, I think the offense opens up. But what's happening now is the pass rush is so good. We just saw the Bills front and the Steelers front. Let that sink in for a second. The Steelers front four with T.J. Watt, and we saw the Bills even without Von Miller. They just destroyed the Raiders up close. So for everybody who says PFF, you know, the offensive lines, this, that, or everything, do your job be better, and Josh Jacobs needs to do a better job, too. And he's not off to a good start here. He wasn't here. I I respect his ability to hold out at that time. He he didn't have to be here. He chose to do that. 
and the Raider offensive line and Josh Jacobs have not performed at a level in the running game that's acceptable. There's a lot to criticize today. There's a lot to criticize, and we have a couple of guests to come on there too. And I just think this is one that got away from them that they should have won. But they were dominated in the third quarter. They get the ball to come out in the third quarter, and they get shut out in the third quarter. That's also something I'm going to address today. As we're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Oh, Alex DeCastaverde brought his brother, uh, his father-in-law there, Steeler fan, to give me grief after the game. I'll tell you that. We got to make winning a habitual thing, man. Just to stack winning performance on top of winning performance is significant. But it's also our first opportunity to play on the road in a hostile environment, this being their home opener. Well, how hostile was the environment? There were a lot of Steeler fans who were at the game. JT back with you, brought to you by Remy Martin. They team up for excellence, and we appreciate everything Remy Martin does with all their branding around town here associated with us. Remy Martin, proud partner. Of our show. I think Steeler fans travel great. They don't travel well. They travel great. They're next level. They had these tickets for a long time, just like the Green Bay fans probably will too. They circled this. I want to go to Vegas. I want to go to Vegas and see the Packers. And remember, these are fan bases that have a global fan base. Globally. So this is not the Arizona Cardinals. This isn't the Tennessee Titans. This isn't the Jacksonville Jaguars. These are fan bases, some of them close to 100 years old that have fans that are going to spend money and come out here. And I feel for the Raider fans who are in that building, the ones who are in that building, the season ticket holders who are there. And Charles Woodson got the crowd going crazy at one point. Everybody says it was this, 50 60%, whatever it was. When Charles Woodson got the Raider chant going, it felt and sounded like a home game. But the terrible towels make it look like there are a lot of fans there, and there were. Call it for what it is here, and the Raiders need to do a better job. And I think the only way they're going to do that is by winning pivotal games, playoff games, putting the organization in an opportunity to win more. I think you'll see more fans at home there. 702-365-9200. Rest of the week, we'll get into the Chargers. There is some news around the league. Uh, Breaking news. A warrant has been issued for the arrest of Chargers cornerback J.C. Jackson for violating his probation. Jackson was supposed to appear in court for a probation violation hearing last Friday stemming from a 2021 arrest for speeding, criminal speeding, and he didn't show up. Now, the Chargers have also lost Mike Williams for the entire season, even though Keenan Allen is playing lights out, had one of the best games ever played statistic-wise at Minnesota. That's one guy that the Raiders won't have to worry about guarding in that game. Let's get out to the phones. Appreciate everybody being patient today for obvious reasons. Jay in Vegas on 920. Go ahead, Jay. Thanks, JT, for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this game coming up, if they don't have J.C. Jackson or Mike Williams, I don't think it really matters. Um, you know, last night, the Steelers didn't have Deontay Johnson and Cam Hayward, and obviously that didn't matter. But, you know, mm-hmm. you teed it up perfectly, uh, J.T., uh, as far as your comment on the offensive line. You know, all these, these numbers come out on PFF, and, you know, they, they, they paint a picture like the Raiders' offensive line is not that bad. But clearly after last night, I mean, Jermaine or Luminor and – um, Van Rotten, they they got they got punked. Let's just let's just you know not sugarcoating. They got punked. They got their lunch taken. And and what pisses me off more about this JT is you're right. Jimmy G doesn't have enough time to throw the ball. Why? Because our right side of the line 
that has been a problem for now multiple years doesn't get addressed. It just doesn't get addressed. We get punked, you know, year after year, game after game by the right side of the line. And it's just, it's just unfortunate because, you know, uh, Jimmy G, he's not going to win you a game, but he, he he's not the type of player that's going to lose you a game. But when you don't give him the kind of protection that he needs, uh, what do you expect Jimmy G to do? You know, I agree with Chris in West Oakland on as far as the defense. He, he, he hit the nail right on the head. And that's another problem area that we've had, JT. The defensive line has not been addressed as far as the defensive tackles and the linebackers. And when that continually, continually does not get addressed, you could have Deion Sanders playing cornerback on one side and Darrell Revis on the other, and you're still going to get tore up. So I just what's really frustrating, JT, is that our problem areas, they just year after year, they just get swept under the rug and they don't, they're not being addressed, you know, and, and for Mark Davis, I really feel bad for him because this man, this man, you know, got this team here, got this team high quality facilities. And especially yesterday, man, they, they get Ken Stabler's ring. His family gets his ring. You know, you got Mike Tyson lighting the torch. You got Lil Wayne. I mean, you, no other team in the league has this stuff. No other team puts on a show like the Las Vegas Raiders, like the way Mark Davis planned it, his vision. And for that product to be put out on the field, Josh McDaniels, really? No, this isn't, look, look, this isn't week three. This isn't week three of the 2023 season. This is week 20 of the McDaniels-Ziegler regime. And you know what? I don't see this ship turning. And that's what pisses me off because you see other other you know uh, franchises. You see Mike McDaniel making a change you know, in a short amount of time. You look at D'Amico Ryan, they're one and two, but look at look at the energy that, that those players played for that guy. When Kyle Shanahan took over the 49ers, it didn't take that long. It shouldn't take this long. So, you know, I, I sure hope that Mark Davis is in his office, and, and I hope, you know, something has to be done, JT, because I'm frustrated, I'm pissed, and I'm usually, I'm usually a, a glass-is-half-full kind of guy, but after last night, when Mark Davis rolls out the red carpet for you, and this is how he's repaid, that's what pisses me off, JT. Thanks for taking my call. All right, yeah, I understand why you're upset. You should be upset. These are critical losses for a team that can't afford to lose a lot of games. They're trying to win, and the games that are on the schedule that are home, remember the Arizona home opener when Hunter Renfro got concussed and Kyler Murray came back down from 20 was a gut punch. I was looking forward to this home opener. I thought the Raiders would play better. The Raiders are playing poorly. That really disappoints me. Some games, you're going to have a bad game and you're going to win. Other games, it was good to come out of the Denver game, right? They closed out Denver on that drive. They were able to put the game away with over five minutes to go. I was excited about that. They didn't play the perfect game. But they got dominated by the Bills. And then in this game, mistake after mistake, the penalties, pre-snap penalties, decisions on what to do, and there's a lot of three and outs. You know, if you're four for 13 when it comes to third down, if you cannot move the change and you're going three and out, if you're going three and out, you don't get the possessions. You don't get the opportunity to go on long drives to get everybody involved. The more people come up to me at the game and say, where's Hunter or where's Michael Mayer? Well, my quick answer is, well, if they stay on the field longer and they pick up a couple more first downs with Josh Jacobs running the ball and are able to move the chains, those guys on the next series might get two targets each. I don't know. But you can't, you have to sustain the football and you got to be able to run the football. And that's very disappointing to me. I didn't think the Raiders coming off last season would be this porous running the football to start the season off. I thought that was really their go-to, and it's not their go-to. Uh, let's get out next to Mike in Vegas. Mike in Vegas, you're up next. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. What's up, JT? Hey, Mike. What's happening? 
How you doing? It's KC Mike. KC Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I talked to you about two years ago when I was telling you this our division, and I see once again, this is our division. Bad coaching, bad draft picks, bad free agent signing. You guys are a disaster. I like it when the Schraders lose. But do you remember that conversation I had with you? I don't recall it from two years ago, Mike, but I, I'm sure yeah. you had it with me. You wouldn't be calling me if you didn't have the conversation with me. Continue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I had all your Schrader fans pumped up like y'all was going to do something. Y'all ain't done nothing for me to steal now. I'm just trying to tell you, Schrader fans, don't have a heart attack. You guys ain't going nowhere this year. Trust me. Y'all ain't going nowhere. Once again, this is our division. KC Mike. And I'm out of here. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. We got a phone. We got a phone number. You want to call in on your team from out of market, and we take it. There's not much to say here when it comes to Kansas City and the Raiders. And Kansas City's got everything going for them, and the Raiders are trying to fix this and get to a level where they can compete with Kansas City. Got no problem with that phone call. Uh, there was time perfectly for KC Mike because he knew to call in after a Raider loss, and he has the opportunity to do it here on a Monday. Seven zero two three six five. 9,200. That's kind of a hostile work environment for me, right? It's a very easy job other than having to take phone calls from opposing fans or talk to them yesterday. Most of the Pittsburgh fans, the majority of them, all of them were great fans. Great fans and very respectful. And the stadium opened late for whatever reason. I don't know what they're doing over there. It used to open three hours early, now two. And when the floodgates opened, you saw a lot of Pittsburgh fans make it to the torch on that second day in amazement of the stadium. First time I saw the new suites there. And, and what the stadium looked like. And I was very excited to be on the field, very fortunate to be on the field with Reggie Jackson, one of my heroes, Mr. October, for the pregame ceremony for Kendra Stabler, the Grand Snakes, as Ken Stabler got his Hall of Fame week uh, ring. And Mark Davis was able to pull that off. Great legacy move by Mark Davis. You could tell how excited he was before the game, f- before the game last night for the Raiders to come in and win. Uh, Jorge and San Jose, you're up next. Thanks for calling in. Hey, JT, thanks uh, for taking my call again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to, first, I want to try to highlight some positive things that I saw. You know, I think Divine Diablo is starting to become an elite uh, linebacker, and I do hope he is in contention for uh, being a pro bowler this year. You know, just some of the way that he can get to the backfield, um, I just, you know, I, I need to give him credit uh, that I know our defense is still has a lot of problems, but that was one of the bright spots to see. I do think it's still concerning that he has to drop in coverage every once in a while and he gets beat, and that's just unacceptable. But really, to to um, to your point about running the ball and establishing the run, I don't know how many times I've seen it since last season where it's so easy for the opposing defense to know that Josh Jacobs is going to run it. They line up in the power formation, and – you just stack the box. And I know that Josh Jacobs is an incredible talent. He's still a young player and he has the ability to cut. But I sometimes just am so confused that this man is running up into a huge wall of grown ass men trying to stop him. And it's, it's not like he's a bulldozer that's going to go through it every time. And sometimes just the rigidity of wanting to establish that. Um, can be a good thing, but at the same time, when other teams know exactly what you're going to be doing, 
I don't understand. And I think to, you know, the, the credit of the KC guy who just called in, I mean, mm-hmm. Andy Reid is a genius at disguise. And you talked about it before as well, misdirection. When the Raiders are lining up, it, you just know what's going to happen sometimes. And that's unfortunate because this offense is so dynamic. You can do so many things. And so I understand Josh Jacobs needed to be there during training camp. I understand he's still trying to get his legs underneath him, but really there needs to be some type of adjustment. And I think, you know, Josh McDaniels still has to prove his system works. And I want to believe that it is going to work and there's flashes of it. But again, if you really want to establish this running game, you have to be able to be dynamic and you have to be able to catch the defenses off guard. It can't be that easy for any defense. And I know the I got Steelers it. defense is, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Appreciate your call. Look, you want to mix it up. You want to disguise. Most of the times you run the ball, it's a single back set with a running back. If you do have a fullback leading the way, it becomes run predictable. I would agree with you on that. And with Josh Jacobs, you could start to play one way, pitch it out to him. I'd like to see more pitch outs. I'd like to see Josh try to get on the edge. As I was watching the game tape today with Eric Allen on Press Conference Live, Eric couldn't believe how many times the linebackers for the Steelers, and especially Buffalo, they just come clean. They're just filling the holes. They're reading the running back's eyes. They're stepping in, and there's not an offensive lineman getting to the linebackers on the next level to clear holes. He's getting hit right when he touches the ball all the time. We're brought to you by the Black Hole. They had an unbelievable party at Eye Candy. Go to theblackhole.com, become a member. Several people came up to me at the tailgate, said, I'm a member of the Black Hole, JT. Easy, theblackhole.com, become an official member of football's most notorious fans. Out of the shotgun is Carr. Here comes pressure. Picked up, but Carr steps up, and he will go down. Rashawn Gary, the linebacker, and Carr is down still. He is in some pain, too, and this is not what the New Orleans Saints want. He's got to throw this football. Oh, he was slammed down. It was how he was slammed into the ground. Lost seven. Come out for injury. He is in some pain. Looks like the information is better for Derek Carr after that injury. A lot of people thought the strain now, it could have been a lot worse. JT, back with you. Just a wild weekend in the NFL, man. Just to see some of the – Jacksonville loses by 20 at home. 20 to Houston. The Cowboys lose. a lot. Of, I'll read this a little bit later on. The Circus Survivor Pool here in town. And how many people – oh, how many people got knocked out of the Circa Survival Pool for obvious reasons, some of the losses there were staggering. John in Bakersfield, California, before the top of the hour. Go ahead, John. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, John. But, uh, hey, uh, but yeah, no, nah, man, 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 we look soft. Like, I, I'm mm. sick of watching this. McDaniels is not a leader of men. He's over there with his friend. Oh, take it off the radio. Get this guy off. What an idiot. Keep it clean on the radio and be respectful to the head coach on the flagship radio station. If you want to be critical of down and distance and all that, you can go ahead and do it. All right? But be respectful like I'm always respectful for you and everybody else out there. We won't let that, we won't let that happen, okay? So clean up your language. Mark in the Bay Area on a Monday, the aftermath. Hello, Mark. Hey, JT, long time no talk, man. I've been following this team since 1975. You know, I've seen it all. 
Um, and this, you know, I just I can't believe that this offense is under 20 points a game mm-hmm. with the amount of resources that we've put into this offense. I mean, what we're, we're top five. We're, we're so top heavy with the offense, the money we've put into it. And, and one thing, you know, as far as the coaching goes, how the heck do you let J.J. Watt or not J.J., uh, his brother Watt, come around the edge, just screaming around the Luminor and not get, uh, chip him? I saw Josh Jacobs lined up to the right. I'm like, beautiful. We're finally going to chip this guy. And he goes out in the pattern. I'm like, that falls on coaching, J.T. I mean, I, I saw it time and time again. You talked about the duress that Garoppolo was under. How about shipping? If you if you're not gonna if you're gonna leave Khalil Mack or Bosa one on one with the Luminor, oh, good night, Irene. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I mean, Max Crosby is getting double team, triple team sometimes. So I just I, that part I didn't understand at all. Uh, not going forward, at, you know, at the end of the game was ridiculous. And uh, anyways, those are just some of my thoughts. Yeah, no, you know, I, I agree with you. You got to get help for a Luminor who played reasonably well so far this year. They're going up against a better player. Remember, unless you have the all pro right tackle, the best one in the league, you're, you're going to have a mismatch against TJ Watt. Okay, Joey Bosa, fortunately, at times he's done some good things, but he's not his brother, Nick. And Khalil Mack could get two, two and a half sacks in any game he plays, but Khalil's best years, someone, I like Khalil a lot. I consider him a friend over the years. Got to know him. Good guy. Can you can control Khalil Watt? Yeah. The problem this week is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got a clear concussion protocol. Because if that's not the case, then Bosa and Khalil Mack are going to pin their ears back, and they're going to blitz all day if it's Aiden O'Connell or if it's Brian Hoyer. And the way to win and beat the Chargers is what I've been talking about for weeks now. You've got to run the ball. Running the ball and sustaining drives. It's got to be easier for this team to do it. Eric Allen told me last week that he thought the players would be coached hard this past week. I'm sure they were. They had a padded practice. Devontae, we have some sound from him coming up on the other side. He does not seem, he does not seem to be happy because this is his career. He's already going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame statistically. He wants to win. And he looked really chippy in the locker room, but respectful. Hopefully Max keeps everybody going here. There's a moment in time now for the Raiders to play better football. I'm not looking for a miracle here. Just play better football, execute better, and not have these lapses where you get shut out coming out of halftime in the third quarter and you don't score. That can't happen anymore. So I don't know where they're at mentally with practice and all of it, but they have to have a great week and hope that Jimmy Garoppolo clears protocol and he's ready to go. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus will join us next.